Just recently, there's a well-known bishop in Germany who made a statement, and he said, I'd rather vote for a good Protestant than a bad Catholic. And in Germany, the birthplace of Lutheranism, Lutherans and Catholics have a much more antagonistic mentality towards each other. So what, he, what this bishop said was meant to be provocative, was meant to get the attention of Catholics in Germany and to get attention of Catholics in the universal church across the globe, to say, like Jesus did with these chief priests and elders, the titles don't matter so much. It's how you live, and it's how someone enacts policies. This should be how we vote. At least that's what he was saying in Germany. And this parable today has an easy and obvious application to the presidential election that we have coming up here. And it's quite simple. We have one candidate who's Catholic, but for the last 20 years has done everything he could to vote for and to put into place legislation and laws and endorsements so that the termination of a little baby, even up to the second before they come out of their mother's womb, is legal. And has done everything he can to put the little sisters of the poor out of business, so to speak. To force them to pay for things that are against our faith, because that doesn't matter. What matters is the juggernaut of the government. And this. But at every. But at photo ops, he does have a rosary in his hand to let us know that he's a good Catholic. And then on the other hand, we have somebody who doesn't claim to be Catholic, and yet is the most pro life president we've ever had in this country period, and is also one of the most pro-religion presidents we've ever had. And in fact, if you look at all of the seven facets of Catholic social teaching, whether he knows it or not, he supports all of them. His legislation does, his executive orders have been, his morals and the way he leads is way more in line with the church than what the other guy has to offer. And we can look and we can say that for the last 20 years, or maybe 20 years ago, our current president didn't live the most chaste life or didn't live a chaste married life, okay? Maybe even 15 years ago. But up 10 years ago or so, he started to change his colors, change his leaf. He was like this first son who said, I'm not going to live, God, by your morals, but something happened in about the last 10 years and we see that, again, by how he has lived and acted and even apologized for his tweets. We see that he is trying to change. He's trying, whether he knows it or not, to do the will of the Father. And yet we see the other guy, again, 20 years ago to today, is about the same. I don't know what it is, but he doesn't like us. He doesn't like his faith, and he doesn't like life. The good news today is that with this parable that Jesus is telling the elders and the chief priests, the ending of the story is not condemnation. The ending of the story, the point of Jesus telling this to the chief priests is to give them a third chance to turn their lives around, to come and follow John the Baptist, who's now passed, but follow Jesus, to turn his, their life around and to follow the Lord and not be stuck in their old ways. 
And who in this room hasn't gone to confession? Who in this room hasn't done things in their past that they regret, things in their past that they are so thankful to the Lord for his forgiveness, for his washing away, for his reinstalling us into righteousness with him, into reunion and communion with him. And this is how we ought to look at others and hope for others. But brothers and sisters, we're called to be like this first son. If we're not already righteous, if we're already having a difficult time with following the law of the Lord in our personal life, this is an invitation for all of us to live like this first son in our personal lives, in our family, in our cities, in our state, and in the way we vote.